As we begin to reintegrate into the world post-lockdown, we're confronted with the fact that our lives are not the same as they were before 2020. And with that comes the realization that a lot of us have to relearn, rebuild, and restart. Struggling to do so myself, I wondered how other people are able to rise from the ashes of crumbled moments throughout their lifetime. I'm Rebecca Lee, and this is season two. How the fuck did you bounce back? Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for doing this. Um, let me get my first question out of it with the way, which is, is it Sabo or Sabo? Because I've heard both. Oh, I yeah, it's actually or like, neither. It doesn't is it matter. neither of those? Well, it's kind of neither because um, I'm actually Hungarian. Okay. And so my last name like was is technically S-Z-A-B-O. So okay. it actually should be Zabo, but oh. I don't, I go by whatever. Like I, no, I, I always call just, you Z- if it's Zabo, it's Zabo. And no, no, but we took the Z out, you know okay. what I mean? So, yeah, yeah, I yeah. mean, I always just say like Alyssa Sabo. Okay. It's like, you know, I, anyways. Yeah. I thought it was Sabo and then someone said it was Sabo or like I heard something or maybe you did like a something and I was like, oh my God, have I been t- saying this person's name wrong and no. like insulting them? I feel so <laughs> awful uh okay no well, thank I, you I honestly up. don't care yeah I'm like you call me whatever you want <laughs> <laughs> well thanks for doing this I'm so excited to talk to you because you are in the comedy community you're someone who's like everywhere you do all like you do sketch you do improv you're a comedy actor you write and I've never like had a deep one-on-one conversation with you so I'm so grateful for you um being here and doing this with me so thank you for so much for giving me an hour of your time I really appreciate you of course. Um, no, thanks for saying that. I'm yeah. like, I'm pumped because, yeah, this is one of those things where I'm like, oh, I've always wanted to like know her more. I feel like we have so much in common in like weird ways. We're just, you know what I mean? Like, I just yeah. see like your vibe and I'm like, oh, I, I like love her. She's like deep and real and like doesn't, isn't like afraid to just be like, hey, this is what's going on. And I feel like that's like my whole thing because I yeah. have a hard time with like, small talk and like surface so I was like so me too asked me to do this which is like the most common form of conversation in the comedy community is like small talk which like I get I don't want to like hate on that or anything like I understand it but it's like hard because like I don't are you an extrovert or an introvert would you say I feel like I'm definitely an extrovert but I think like yeah I don't know it's weird as I've gotten older I do feel like I'm I change a little bit in some ways because you know whatever like I don't know I definitely like the minute you add like more than two people I just like come more and more alive like every person you add okay what's going on hey hey and I like but do you you feel more yourself in that like when you have more people do you feel I don't know no I don't know if that's like more me I know it like energizes me but Mm -hmm. I think like more than not myself like and this is kind of a testament to most of my friendships and relationships I have a lot of like one-on-one deep things like I don't you know what I mean I'm not like Mm -hmm. oh this is my crew like I have so many like this is my friend this is my friend and when we hang out we have like deep talks where we cry in the car you know what I mean yeah like so it's weird because I'm like I don't know I guess um I see the value in like both but yeah definitely like when I'm just by myself I do tend to kind of get like 
bored so I always have to be like having music or a podcast but I feel like that's most people I don't know who's just like I'm totally fine in the silence in my room yeah especially like fucking we had to do that in COVID for two two fucking years so I feel like everybody's like and I don't want to I don't want to be with my thoughts any longer (laughs) totally but yeah of course like after if I have like a week of like constant shows and just like a lot of like you know working with like other people I definitely am like I need Friday to just like zone out and stare at my dog. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Stare totally deep in get her that. Eyes. <laughs> yeah. um, okay. Well, usually I start this podcast out with the question um, What is w- a challenge or a hurdle or a low point that you've bounced back from in your life that you are most proud of? And it could be childhood adolescence adulthood truly anything that you feel comfortable talking about yeah I was like it was funny because when I was you know getting ready um to I knew this was like the question you're gonna ask me and I was like oh no Uh, obviously I have like my I definitely have my big like health thing and I was like okay yeah I'm sure I'm gonna like talk about that but it's interesting when you when you do talk about like childhood because I, I am trying to think because I had like a huge like health scare happen to me when I was 21. Okay. But I think even like before that, like as a little kid, like I feel like I also like bounced back from things. And um, so I'm sure we'll get into my like health stuff. But I think yeah. like the thing I want to talk about first, just because I'm like, let's go chronologically. Great. Yeah. <laughs> my brain loves that. Yeah. <laughs> I am. Um, when I was like, uh, I, I was born with like an extra toe okay. <laughs> like on my foot, which isn't like, it's funny. It's not yeah. like that big of a deal. But no, of no, course, no, no, like but, yeah. when I was, when I was a little kid, I was like very embarrassed of it. And I was like, I thought it was so weird. I thought I was like an alien and my sisters, you know, I have two older sisters and they like made fun of me for it because like, that's what you would do. Like if my sister had an extra toe, I'd be like, you six toed freak. <laughs> and like, it was something that really like, it got to me, you know, I would like think about it every night and be like, oh, I'm such a freak. I'm such a weirdo. And then I like went to the doctor with my mom and they were like, all right, yeah, we can like maybe remove it. We would just have to like do all this stuff like we'd have to shave like skin from her hip and I like remember that just being like no that's so scary so then I like kept trying to trucking along with it and then like I don't know like something just kind of clicked in me where I was like what if this was like cool to be different and this sounds like so cheesy because no it doesn't but I just like I started kind of like treating it as like hey guys you want to see something and I sort of like owned it in a way that was like this is like a cool, weird thing. And then, you know, I would like show people, I was like, guess what? Like I I would like gather whatever. If like girls were in the bathroom, I'd be like, everybody gather around. I'm going to show you something. (laughs) And I would like show people. And I remember one time I was at like a football game. um, And this, I think I was in like fourth grade and we were all like, we were in the bathroom. And then this like cool girl that was in like eighth grade, she was there too and she was like a really popular girl and I remember like she saw it and she was like wow that is so cool and then she like took me with her and had like took me to all the like popular people and was like showing them and they were all like that's cool and it was just this moment like I feel like that was such an early memory of like me owning something because then you know come there's a lot of other things in my life that have happened that have made me like different or whatever 
like everybody Mm -hmm. we all have that you know but like just I think that's my first memory of like owning this thing that and it's you know I can't really wear like stilettos it's not like that terrible of a thing it's not like oh this is holding me back you know some people are like it probably made you faster (laughs) but like it was just that moment where you know like you you just choose to be like you know what like this is cool and then you know somebody that was like very like kind of deemed cool said it was cool and it was just like that was like yeah I think and then I just from that moment on I was like this is awesome I love this and then it was kind of my like fun little you know uh get to know you icebreaker thing and I I just stopped being ashamed of it and I started just being like I'm weird and I got an extra toe (laughs) yeah but that's like hard as a kid you said fourth grade you were in fourth grade so it's like what eight or nine or something yeah yeah that's that's like a very hard thing to do is to like own something that's different than everybody else I think especially into like middle school where fucking kids are ruthless but to be like where do you think that came from like your ability to be like you know what like this is me and I'm going to embrace it like is that something that your family instilled in you or like how did you learn that as like a nine-year-old I know that's a good question I probably like And it's so funny because I think about so many other things about myself that I still haven't like fully accepted or I don't like. Mm -hmm. And now I'm even, as I'm telling you this, I'm like, I got to enact that like double toe, like whatever Mm -hmm. I was doing with that double toe to all this like other stuff about me and about my body and my whatever, like my personality and and, uh, things because, but yeah, I don't know. Like, I think I had um, my great aunt who was like, I, I was raised by a lot of like older people had a lot of like old great aunts and great uncles who were like Hungarian, just like really like funny, psychotic, loud and like crazy. And I was re- like, I really was close with um, them. My great aunt Goldie, I called her Gigi. She like, I feel like she probably was a big part of um, my acceptance because you know she like I, I just I don't know like what it is but there are certain like little kids that just like gravitate towards like older people I think I was like one of those little kids mm-hmm. and I felt really like safe and like at home with like old people I don't know why but I think it was probably like them you know they're just like there's Alyssa you know there's like she got an extra toe there yeah. she goes. <laughs> and like you know there what I mean there's goes. like here you want some toast and like they're just you know, like, <laughs> waiting on me and they're like you're so funny keep going and then you know I mean like so I yeah. felt I got that like comfort there and then you know my I like love my sisters and stuff but obviously they were just like older sisters who were just like you idiot and my mom and dad worked like both of them worked full time so I wasn't spending as much time with them but I don't know like I think it's just kind of like probably that probably maybe just in my own little like coping mechanism as a kid like I think as humans you know you get to a point where you just realize like what am I doing like I can't just keep doing this you know what I mean Mm -hmm. and then you just maybe like I don't know what it is if it's like the human experience where you just kind of get to a point where you're like time to time to think about this differently and maybe you're more apt to doing that like when you're a kid but or maybe not I don't know I don't know I didn't do that until like last year oh yeah I mean like, no I, like I said there's a lot of other things that I'm like I hate myself and I, you know even yeah yeah, yeah. You, but like, I just feel why? like I feel like that's such a mature uh like self-aware like rad thing to be able to do as like a nine-year-old like that's just so like emotionally mature um which I think is just like pretty rare for kids like usually kids are just fucking mean to each other and trying to like 
fit in, you know, but sure. to like to be like owning a, a thing that makes you different is incredibly cool. And I feel like that served you too, like through adulthood and I like in your success in comedy. It might have, you're right. It might have also been, yeah, it's like a classic like coping mechanism, right? Like if there's something weird about you, then you just start, you're, you're like, well, I'm going to like, yeah. I'm going to, you know what I mean? Like talk mm -hmm. about this and I'm going to like own it. And I think, you know, I also grew up like pretty religious and oh, okay. I think I also like la latched onto it in a way that wasn't even just like, oh, this is what I like do because my family does it or I was at church. I, you know, like I would go to church and I would like hear about like this God character. And I was like, huh, like, Cause I, you know, you just want to be loved. And I don't know if I always felt that cause I definitely like need a lot more love than the average person. <laughs> but mm -hmm. like, I was told that like, there's this God that like loves you unconditionally, finds you to be awesome and perfect. And then I think like, you know, before then I got into all the like shame and guilt stuff, maybe like early on, I was like, that's pretty cool. But mm -hmm. then obviously it like turned dark for me. And then, you know, there's like all this like shame around it. Mm -hmm. So I think just, yeah, like, maybe a little bit of that maybe just yeah. yeah I don't know did you grow up like in your household did your like great um aunts and uncles did they live with you or did you live with your mom and your dad and your siblings I, li I lived with my mom and my dad and my siblings but like all of these older people I was like always at their house they lived like really close oh like, that's just down the street so I was always just like there you know what I mean yeah like, after I was just like never really at my house yeah okay so so you do okay so you're middle school you're owning um this thing that's unique about yourself then you go into high school then like then what happens then yeah. how are you yeah so then okay so this is like now I'm just like giving you like my life story and again <laughs> like, like if at any point you like want to skip over whatever no, I just like, hope it's interesting like I'm like is this like but it is like fun it's like we're getting into it um yeah no, I think so. Then I think like what happened was, yeah, like in elementary school and middle school, I was like pretty cool and stuff. And then I don't know, like if this happens to like everybody, but I feel like for me, there was this like period where then like all of the like girls, right, just like started developing and like mm -hmm. going through puberty and like getting their periods and whatever. And then like, I think for me, it like didn't happen. And I did feel kind of like I got kicked out of like the groups where you know like my friends like they were just like well you don't have boobs and you can't be our friend anymore and then I was like oh my gosh like so then in high school you know I was just this like I, I didn't actually go through puberty till I was 18 which is very very late you know mm -hmm. so I think like in high school I was just like I felt so incredibly uncomfortable in my body and like just hated it and like wanted to have armpit hair wanted to have like mm -hmm. everything that just the other girls were having and like that was a really tough thing and I, I don't know if I was you know I wasn't really coping the same way I was when I was like a little girl I was just very like sad and like upset about that but then you know I would use like journaling like I was a huge journaler and I you know I had my kind of like thing with God where I was like God thinks I'm beautiful and mm -hmm. I guess one day he'll give me my period you know and so that that did like help and I you know I definitely I played sports I had so much energy I was just a runner I was just running my butt off um and that's I was good at that so it was like okay this is what I'm good at and you know I was just very like always making people laugh and that was 
those were the most important things to me, like being funny. Like, I think, you know, because I think I had this like stunted growth and I didn't really feel like I was kind of growing at a natural rate and like becoming a woman. I, I wasn't as like into like my appearance, appearance and stuff like that. Mm. I really focused on like, I want to be the funniest person in the room and I want to be um, really nice and like kind. And I want people to like know like feel good when they hang out with me and you know I like watched I watched like people like Chris Farley and Molly Shannon and they really like that resonated with me because I saw that they had kind of like different bodies or whatever and they Mm -hmm. were like using their bodies for like funniness so then I was like oh that's what this body is for it's not you know what I mean? Like as much as yeah. I want to have like huge knockers and like <laughs> me too. Me you know what too. I mean? <laughs> like I was like, oh, this body isn't for that because that's not like what I have. But you know what it is for? It's really funny. So then I just would like, I used my body to like make my family and friends laugh and would you know what I mean? Like would yeah, kind of impersonate like people in the church choir and like do their walk and you know and that is yeah. where I got all my attention. My parents you know, and my family would be like, oh, Alyssa, do Joan, do Joan. And then I'd be like, I'm Joan. And I would walk. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that is kind of like, you know, where obviously like comedy kind of came in. And that's why I I am a very like physical comedian. And I think that's probably why. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's again, though, like you're just, that's such a mature, emotionally intelligent thing for a, like a high schooler to be like, you know what? My body is actually for this this thing. Like I'm I'm going to use it to be funny and kind and like I'm going to embrace that. That's fucking so cool. Oh, that's so like thanks for saying that, but I also like had no idea what I was doing. Like I don't think it was intentional, you know what I mean? I was yeah. just like I'm just going to do this because I got long arms and like, yeah. yeah. And what? it's, you know, yeah, it is really like interesting when you think about your like body as like a vessel and like, it's just, you know what I mean? It's like, I, I think also too, cause I was always really in tune with like the spiritual world and stuff. Like I, I, and also weirdly enough, I, then because I had all these like older aunts and uncles, like they all died. So I was like, I had been to like 20 funerals and in our church too, there's a lot of old people. I had been to like 25 funerals by the time I was like 16. I was just constantly going to funerals and like seeing dead bodies. Like we would, I didn't realize that that's like not normal for like 10 year olds to like go to viewings and like, you know what I mean? But, and Mm -hmm. I was, my sisters and I would like sing, we were like a group, like the Sabo sisters. And Mm -hmm. we would sing at like anything that was going on at our church, a wedding or a funeral. So we were singing at like all of these like funerals and like, so I think like just early on, I was very kind of like, I realized that like, oh, this is temporary. These bodies are going to die. And like, we, you know what I mean? Like, and Mm -hmm. they hold us while we're on this earth for a specific amount of time. And like, I, but I don't know. It's weird because, and then also, you know, when you pull in the like weird evangelical stuff, like, of course I was obsessed with death because I was like, I have to save people. Like they're going to go to hell. So then I'm just, I was like always thinking about it. Mm -hmm. So, and it's like, it's weird. And when you think about kind of my story, then where then I get, you know, to college. And then when I had this, like my literal body absolutely failed me. It's like, it's kind of interesting that in a way I feel like my intuition or whatever was like preparing me 
yeah. for that. You know what I mean? Cause mm-hmm. like, I don't know, like then whenever that did happen, I was like, Oh shit. Like uh, <laughs> I almost died, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. But- I have so many questions. Okay. So what is your, so you said you're even, are you currently evangelical or like, what is your no. relationship with religion? Okay. I so you were, I was, yeah, I was, um, I was hardcore. Yeah. I went to, um, church camp and I was just a teenager with really big emotions. And I think that that like really filled something for me and because it's even funny like my parents were kind of like weirded out the way that like I was so radical with it and I you know what I mean like it wasn't my parents were just like love God love people like they like I feel like I took it to a level that was kind of kooky and oh, um, interesting. Even, even in college it's funny I found like I have all my old journals and um I found this one entry where I was like, you know, I had just started dating. I had my first boyfriend in college and I was like journaling about it. And I was like, God, like, I know that like, we're supposed to save like holding hands and even hugging for marriage. Like I was so extreme. And I was like, and then when I told my mom and grandma that I like, wasn't gonna like hug John until marriage, they said, that's weird. And they said that it's okay to kiss and like so it's funny because you know what I mean like here are my parents and like my they're like hey that's weird nobody like you can kiss your boyfriend (laughs) like so I just really took it on in such a I'm a pretty like extreme person so it Mm. makes sense that I would kind of like latch onto it in a very like hardcore way yeah why why do you think you did is it just like because it's in your personality to like if you're going to do something, you're going to go full into it. Or was there like somebody in your life who like you looked up to that was very much into it? I think it was like, I think it was a combination of like my mental disposition and then also just what I was like learning. And also it was a coping thing. It helped with my anxiety. Like there was, there Mm. was like a need for it. But when I like heard the gospel or whatever you know I was like wait a second you're telling me that like people will go to hell if they don't do this thing and so like it you know it was like it was so like common sense to me I was like well then I have to like tell everybody this like what Mm. else would I do with my life if not like be a missionary for God you know and Mm -hmm. I like so I don't know it was very um it was just like, I thought it was cool. I, and it was another thing of like, I liked it. I was very different. Everybody in my school was like, Alyssa's crazy for God, you know? And I was like, yeah, that's right. And the Christian faith kind of like feeds into that. Like there's like sex of it where they're like, you will be persecuted, mm. but that's awesome. That means you're doing the right thing, you know? Oh, so it was okay. like, it was feeding this kind of loop for me of like, oh, whenever you get like made fun of for like loving Jesus too much, that means you're doing it right. And Mm. you know what I mean? Like it was just, I don't know how to explain it. But it really, it did feel real to me. Like I had, I had a very, I think this was like, you know, I had a very rich, like private life with like God. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what that is. Like now when I think about it, I'm like, was I just talking to myself? Was I talking to the wall? Was I talking to some spiritual being and mm-hmm. like I know you know you kind of asked what do you believe now I really don't know I really don't know I think I'm like pretty agnostic and like really open and curious and mm-hmm. I I think there's something but I don't yeah I don't I'm not like I'm scared to just kind of say like this is the truth yeah because I don't know 
Yeah. Do you, would you like call yourself then or now? Was it like a, and I'm speaking because I'm this, uh, like was, was it a perfectionist thing or like a control thing to be like, oh, if I do th- all these things right, then like I will go to heaven or, or I will be a good person or, or anything like that. I mean, I'm not a religious person. I never have been, but I definitely have the like perfectionist need for control and I just was curious if that had anything to do with it or not yeah I definitely think so I um I'm not like diagnosed like OCD or anything like that but I I think whenever I like read about it and I think about the rumination that takes place in my brain I'm like okay yeah I think I have a lot of um a lot of that and yeah I have uh, I have diagnosed OCD so I'm like yeah that's why I'm like I wonder if this has anything to do with it I think it is late I think it is and but I feel bad because I'm like okay I've never like technically been diagnosed with that but like sure I also this is kind of something that like in therapy sometimes like there is stuff that I actually don't share about Mm -hmm. a lot of the like rumination that I do because I'm like embarrassed of it you know what I mean and I I think there's a part of me that like wants to pretend like it's not there and so I'm you know what I mean so I guess like maybe I'm not really allowing like a professional to like see the real me because I'm like it's scary you know that shit's hard but yeah I think it's a lot of that totally like a uh, control I've always had um really really debilitating anxiety even I remember being like a little girl and this must have been yeah this was like elementary school I used to like I would go to my parents and I would say like, no matter how deep I breathe, I can't catch my breath. Something's wrong with me. I can't wow. breathe. And they, you know, we're just like, we're from like Western Pennsylvania. And like, it was just a different time. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they're baby boomers. They were just like, all right. And they would like tell me to breathe into like a paper bag. And I was like, it's not working. And they were like, it's okay, honey. Like, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. they just, I don't. And then, um, that anxiety would then manifest in like other ways. And then I would have like my mom, I, I would just like get these like terrible, like stomach pains. And I would just like, I, I think I just wanted to be with my mom and I wanted her to like come home from work and pick me up. Cause the minute I was then with her, they would like go away. Yeah. And the minute I was with my Gigi, you know what I mean? Like they would yeah. go away. So I just needed to be with someone. And then um, I was also like a hypochondriac and then, you know, so but I, I think it was like a hundred percent like anxiety, a little OCD and just like totally. Yeah. That like need yeah. for control. Um, and just, I was a very like external feeler and like, I, you know, I, whenever I would have like a big emotion, it was like, I was just like constantly like crying out like help. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas like some, some kids are pretty internal mm-hmm. and like, if they're kind of going through something, they're just like, sitting there quietly which is like kind of that's like scary if I ever had kids I would oh like, yeah I kind of hope I have the external like yeah criers uh yeah they yeah. get you like to to get used to um vocalizing and verbalizing how you feel and like your wants and your needs as like in your youth I feel like it's super useful when you become an adult totally I think so and I think um yeah, it is just interesting to see that I've like obviously like love listening to podcasts about all this stuff. And even I think about my two older sisters and I feel like, yeah, like they like I was the most, I think, like external kind of expressor and like they were yeah. more kind of doing some more internal stuff. Yeah. And, um, 
So then I don't know anything about you, what happened at like your health scare in college. Oh I, yeah. I, I know I've seen like a photo on Instagram, but I don't know the details of it and I don't, you don't need to share the details of it. Um, if you feel comfortable, like what, what happened and like, how did that affect you? And yeah, no, it was like, it was so crazy. And when I, even as I'm kind of like giving some of this background, I'm like, wow, this is like pretty interesting that like this happened. Cause of course I was like, it's always funny when a hypochondriac like has something happen to them where they're like, yeah. see, <laughs> yeah, because then, you know what I mean? They're like, wait, was I a hypochondriac yeah. or was I just like really in tune with my body? Um, yeah, I basically just was like, I had always, I was also always journaling and I would journal stuff like something's off with me. I'm going to die young. I don't know what it is, but you know, I, I have a Scorpio moon. So maybe I'm just like, <gasps> me too. Really, <laughs> really? Yeah. Okay. We need to talk about that. It's uh, like the most intense. I don't like, know anybody moon. else who's a Scorpio moon. Alanis Morissette. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It makes sense. Checks out. Yeah. yeah you, me but, and Alanis. Um, yeah. But I was like, I just was always like this something's off, you know, I was always kind of like knew yeah. that. And then just was feeling really weird. My health started to like decline, but in a really weird way, like not in a way where it was like, I, I was still doing so much, right? Like I'm in college, I'm an RA um, in the summers. I'm a camp counselor. I'm like, I have a full course load. I'm, do you know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm playing uh, flag football. Like I was really active. And then um, I went, I went to Dallas like for the summer to do this like random internship, even though I was like, I was going to go to like a third world country. I had like gotten money to do it, but then I was like talking to God and he said no. And that's where like, it was very weird that I just was like, God said no. And then of course, like I wind up in Dallas and then like, I'm there for four days. I go to the doctor because I don't feel good. I just keep passing out. And the next thing I know, I'm like in a coma. What? And then, yeah, it was so like, it was like the most like, no freaking way dude like everything that happened it was like an episode of like scrubs you know what i mean where they're like this girl seemingly healthy like never had a drink of alcohol in her whole life is in complete liver failure and we have no idea why it was like a mystery and then of course you know then the diagnosis came later which was like wilson's disease it's a very rare super rare genetic disease and yeah it just happened in such a crazy way where i like uh, they put me under to take out my gallbladder. When they did that, they saw that my liver was completely cirrhotic, complete, like it looked like a 75 year old alcoholic liver. And they were like, you know, and I had, like I said, I was really Christian. I never drank. I was like, you know, it, it had nothing to do with that. And Wait, were, why were they going in for the gallbladder? Cause they didn't know what was like wrong with me. Got it. They okay. genuinely didn't. And it was, I was in like, I was doing this like random internship in Dallas. And so I was like in a suburb, like at a random hospital in a suburb when they went in to do the gallbladder surgery, that's like when they saw the liver. So they kept me under medically induced coma, put me on a helicopter and life lighted me to Dallas. And then that's where, then like within the next like week I got put on the transplant list. My whole family like flies to Dallas, like, and they are coming to Dallas to like say goodbye because the doctors are like, she's pretty much dead. She has swelling on her brain. We have no idea if she's going to make it. We're going to try to do the liver transplant if we can get one. And if she doesn't have like this active infection that takes over her body before we get the liver. Like it was, you know, like they were, and my family's just sitting there and they're like, so yeah, time to say your goodbyes to Alyssa. And I, so it was crazy to like go through all that. And then for me, 
to be like asleep for all yeah. of that. Kind of a blessing in disguise. Because if I would have been like alert during this, of course, I would have probably had like a heart attack yeah. <laughs> or like an anxiety attack and like died. But um, so yeah, then like I got a liver. They did the surgery. Uh, it like went well. They were like, they were all blown away. Like the head of hepatology at like Baylor, Dallas, you know, is like, still doesn't understand like how any of this like made sense. My mom is like, they're just like, believing has like so much faith that I'm like going to be okay. And everybody's like, this lady's crazy. But I think in a way she had this like ignorance is bliss because you know what I mean? Like if she didn't have that, she probably also would have like had a heart attack. Of, yeah. Like, fear. So she was just like, yep, let's just get to survive. Let's just going to make it, you know, and everybody's yeah, like self-preservation. Around her. Kind yeah, of. Totally. And my mom's like an amazing woman. But, um, so yeah, I woke up two weeks later and I was like, what happened? I had no idea. And I had to kind of be told the story. <laughs> so, like, like, what's the last thing you remember? Like, going to the hospital? Yeah, I remember I remember going to the hospital. I do remember um, my mom and sister, like, flew down. So they were, like, there with me a little bit before I, like, went under. And I just remember, like, doctors kind of coming in constantly and being really, like, I could tell these doctors were really scared. And that scared me. And I remember knowing that I was dying. And when you're dying, you're just kind of like, you're not scared. You're actually not anxious at all. Like to die is actually, it feels just like you, everything's like slowing down, right? So it was kind of like, in a way, like it felt a little blissful. I was not like, oh my gosh, I'm dying. You know what I mean? Like, cause to be like, oh my gosh, I'm dying. That means you're like alive, like, you know, like, when you're dying, you're just kind of like, you can't move. You're, you're not yourself. And that, and that feels like a death. Like I remember not being able to like make people laugh because I was so lethargic and I had like nothing to like offer. And that was like oh killing God. me. You're like making me cry. Oh, I'm sorry. No, I but just, yeah, like, I'm that's alive. No, just like yeah. so much for a young person to have to go through. Yeah, and I, I remember my mom crawling into the hospital bed with me because I said, Mom, I love you so much. And she knew that, like, she thought I was saying goodbye. And she said, no, 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 we're not doing that. You know, and she just, and I was like, but I wanted her to know how much I loved her. And um, and that's, like, the last thing I remember. And then, you know, and then I, like, go into this coma. And, of course, the coma, that's a whole other kind of thing where, it really did feel like another realm and that it was very bizarre because I didn't, I, I felt like I was in some, like I was in this, like, it was surreal environment. It was very lush and, but I also was alone and I was really scared and I just wanted to be with my family and friends. And so, yeah, when I like woke up, you know, the first thing I see is my mom standing there and she's just in a glowing light and um yeah and then I was like obviously like yeah so obviously like that first question you asked like what was the hardest thing you ever <laughs> definitely this uh the whole and then you know of course like I had to relearn how to walk I had to relearn how to talk I had to relearn how to swallow food oh my um, god is that because of a was, coma was yeah that, like, so, a, like a breathing tube yeah. or something okay it was like a combination of everything like basically my muscle your muscles atrophy really quickly which I didn't know that 
So, you know, even I remember it, it was crazy, right? Because I like when I went into the coma, I was fine. Like I was on a run the day before. And then when I woke up two weeks later, the physical therapists come over and they say, okay, Alyssa, are you ready to try to like take a step? And I was like, what? Why would I need your help? Yeah, let me just go take a step. And I tried to lift my leg like laying in bed and I couldn't lift it. And I was terrified. You know what I mean? Because I'm just like, what happened? And yeah. like, meanwhile, my family is all there like so happy that I'm alive. They're so happy. And I'm just like pissed because I'm like, sure. what is going on? Why are you guys happy? This is terrible. I'm like paralyzed. And I couldn't talk. Yeah, I think actually the ventilator being in my uh, throat for so long actually messed up my voice. And I, you know, I, I actually didn't know if I was ever going to like return to a normal vocal, um, my vocal, like it was really weird. And I remember my voice was so high pitched and I could, I was like, what? And my brother-in-law, who's like, um, a doctor, I remember kind of asking him like, is this normal? Like, yeah, <laughs> it's like funny now. He was like, um yeah I've never seen this you know and I was like really like so there was just so much so much trauma I think like with just my whole body and uh and then yeah like relearning how to swallow that was another thing like I couldn't pass there's like a swallow test that you have to pass wow. couldn't pass that because I just had gotten so weak and um so you're just like on a feeding tuber or something or yeah like... I was on a feeding tube okay. and hated that you know it was just <sighs> it was just truly like the worst case scenario and I but I really do think that like being as young as I was like when it happened um and having kind of like my faith like whatever that was like I really do like credit that to my healing and and as much as, you know, I then I had a college boyfriend who like proposed to me and like, and that obviously didn't work out. But like, when I was like, he really was a huge, I have to like give that relationship a lot of credit. Like my family, knowing I had somebody that like wanted to marry me, like, you know what I mean? Like it was, those were really important things. And, and in a lot of ways, when I was in like this kind of really weak terrible state I couldn't like talk I couldn't make people laugh like that's also when I started to realize like I it is so important to me that I can make people laugh and communicate with people and be lively and funny I've never knew how important that was until I lost it and and then you know what I mean like that was like mm -hmm. I, I just remember like laying in that bed and being like I've always wanted to be an actress. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, and it's crazy the way then, like, you know, I met this like couple that lived in Dallas and they were helping my family out. And I remember like uh, the the wife, she was like, oh, you are so funny, Alyssa. You know, and she was like, if you ever wanted to like do acting, I know this lady, you know, and, and I was like, yes, of course, because I never did acting. I never did theater or anything like yeah. that. I had no idea how to get into it. But then, um, yeah, she like introduced me to this like, kind of lady like this like woman just a random like talent scout in texas you know and yeah so that's like how i kind of got my start like <laughs> that's just like texas. so intense and terrifying and like all the things and i'm sure um it has just had such an impact on you as a person um how long were you like in the hospital for then to like total yeah so i was um i had my transplant this is crazy on July 8th, which is my mom's birthday, oh my God. which was like the best gift I could ever give her. Sure. Um, I like had that on July 8th, then got released from the hospital maybe like a month and a half later. Then I had to like stay in Dallas for outpatient care 
for like three months okay then so yeah this first year like once you get a transplant you, they have to just suppress your immune system um because you're the organ you have is somebody else's dna and like your body would try to reject it if your immune system was awake so then it becomes this really tough like balancing act right where you're like you're suppressing your immune system, which causes you so many other medical problems, but it's like how you're alive. So you have to like then deal with that. So I like get out of the hospital. Then I like move back to Pennsylvania. Then I try to go back to school. Then I'm hospitalized again. They like literally thought I had tuberculosis. So I'm like in quarantine in Pittsburgh, like being treated for tuberculosis (laughs) because you're just, your immune system is so down all of your vaccines are like null and void then. So like, it's really, it's tough. And then, then I came down with this other virus that's like, I had to be treated with chemotherapy, like to get rid of that. And it was like a deadly virus that could potentially kill me. It like attacked my colon. So then I'm just like, you know, and I'm also at the time I'm like trying to finish college. I'm engaged and I'm like withering away. I'm losing weight. Like it's my, you know, it's just like, it's hard for me to keep weight on because of like these different things. And I've always been like pretty skinny naturally. And then like when I was in liver failure, I like gained all this water weight. And then like, once I had a liver working, then like your metabolism is like working. And so then, yeah, it was, it's just this like weird bouncing out and these meds are kind of, you know, just bad. So it was like, it took me a good solid like year or two to kind of and you know I like lost all my hair it took me like a solid like year and a half maybe two years to kind of like feel like myself again which also I don't even know what that is because I never knew what was normal but um yeah yeah I definitely I never also I never really like at the time I don't think I ever really fully like dealt with what had happened to me I just kind of like you like all this newfound energy I had I channeled it to like I'm gonna be an actor now which is like I don't know if that's like wrong necessarily but I definitely should have like been in therapy at that time maybe been medicated for anxiety and like PTSD but I you know I just like wasn't because that just wasn't kind of what I was into at the time I was still kind of like going to church stuff and yeah well I mean there are definitely more unhealthy ways to channel you know of course trauma than like putting it all into being an actor but like I get it it's like it's gonna catch up to us eventually if we're not dealing with like the the traumatic things that happen in our lives um I am curious like how did that how did all of that affect and including like um your what is your double toe is that what it's called I don't want to like yeah. use the wrong term no how did not. all of that no I want to be fucking sensitive this is like so, yeah, of course this You're is so important sweet. yeah <laughs> the double toe. it's just funny because it's like I start out with this double toe thinking that's the weirdest thing about me that's like this is the worst health thing that could possibly yeah. happen is this double like, toe and then it's like exactly, this you know exactly how did all of that affect your relationship like with your body yeah. Whether it's like a appearance, yeah, sure, but also just like, did you were you wondering like, oh, when is my body going to fail me again, or like wow. scared about that? And then and then on top of that, you know, being in your early twenties, like appearance too, like how did all of that affect you and your in your relationship with your body and your body image? Totally, I think um, it's so funny because you know we were talking about earlier how I was like. I was very aware that like our bodies are temporary and that they will fail us. And 
there was, I remember I was like in Costa Rica and there was this scripture that I feel like God pointed out to me that was like in Psalm, I don't even remember like which verse, but it was like, my heart and my flesh may fail me, but God is the strength of my heart forever. So like my heart and my flesh may fail me. And I remember like waking up from the coma and being like, my flesh failed me. My heart and my flesh failed me. Like, I remember just like thinking of that verse and being like, but God is the strength of my heart forever. Like basically just meaning that like, okay, yeah, these bodies are really these are not the best body. Like sometimes your body's going to fail you, even if you're the quote unquote healthiest person in the world. Mm -hmm. Like, and I think like, you know, I remember, I remember kind of being like in and out of the hospital, like after, um, kind of getting the, the liver transplant. And I just was like, so sick all the time. And I remember being like, is this why I like, kind of got this liver in my is this going to be my life you know am I going to be sick all the time and am um, am I going to be able to do the stuff I want to do because and I just like I remember like praying and being like God if that if this is the case like if I'm going to be this like really sick person like I guess just help me to be okay with that and like be happy because I like I I don't know how I can be because I have so much energy and I just want to be able to like be free to talk to somebody and not worry that they have like a cold and they're going to give it to me and it's going to make put me in the hospital and I remember like when I got out of the hospital like the third time I had a dream and I was like in the dream I was like flying and I was running and I just felt like it was this moment of like clarity and this sounds so like woo woo but it really like after I had that dream where I was like running and flying I honestly like I felt a lot better and I obviously I've had things like here and there but nothing like as major you know like as what I was going through and I I just was like I I have to like fly I have to go spread my wings and fly as cheesy as that sounds and so that's why like now you know like being out here and um, obviously it gets hard and you get face rejection all the time and like but it it just was like I don't know. I'm so glad that I like have that memory to like remind myself of, you know, like in those tough moments to remember like just how lucky I am to be alive and to like even be able to talk to you right now and like use my voice. And like after this, I'm going to go take my dog on a walk. We're going to go rollerblading and like, but yeah, I, um, I think I definitely like, you know, I don't know if that like answered the question, but like, it's a really good way to kind of like check in with myself. And, you know, of course my scar is like pretty large and I was very like at first kind of like, Oh, this is crazy. And, you know, um, and I, I am like, I, I, I think obviously there's like a lot of stuff about my body that I'm like, Oh, it's kind of weird. And, you know, people be like, Oh, I can't believe you would say that. Like you kind of have like a model body or whatever, but I'm like, yeah, but like not, like not to me like because I I don't know I think about my body in such a different way and I like I want worry about it I worry about right, it I right. wonder if like something is brewing that I don't know and of course I'm getting my blood drawn and I'm going to my doctor and everything but like there were times when I was going to the doctor getting blood drawn and they didn't know they didn't see any of it so of course I think that's like always in the back of my head but I think I got to a place with especially after I had the liver transplant where I was like well that happened and holy crap um 
that was pretty bad. Like it was almost like that's like so bad. And now that I have this new liver, like let's fucking go. You know what I mean? Like let's just like go because that happened. And now what am I gonna do? You know, like what? Like in a way, and I I don't think that I'm the best. Like I don't think that like having that means I'm like the best to deal with like health stuff. I still get so scared even if I have a cold. I'm like I have a cold. Oh my gosh! Like you know what I mean? Like it doesn't. It didn't make me like wow, I'm a champion now. But you know what it did help me with it, which I'm like, this is something that I'm so grateful for. I am so good at like talking to people that are going through something with mm. like health and with their body. And I'm so grateful for that because that is how we like learn empathy. You know, if we're not just like born totally like empathetic, like I had this experience and I know that like people that are going through stuff, like they can come to me and they can feel us alone because that's just like that's just like what it is I remember when I was in the hospital the people that would come in like of course like whatever doctors friends and family and people encouraging me but the most significant people were always those that like huh, I had a liver transplant or I had cancer I had this mm -hmm. and they were there talking to me and and I would see them standing up straight walking eating a bagel like and, and that to mm -hmm. me was like more powerful than anything anybody could ever tell me yeah yeah which just like reminds me of this is like a little bit tangenty but it's like the fact that like we need mentors and um people who've gone through similar things to us people who look like us if we're gonna go like a representation route yeah. exactly it's like totally how can you know you can get through something or be something if you don't see that in front of you and see that it's been done before you know it's so important it's so important um i'm curious yeah. about also just like thank you for sharing all of this um thank I, you you're such is. a you're like so easy to talk to I feel <laughs> like I I feel like I don't open up like this way because you're kind of a stranger I'm like I don't really yeah, know yeah, you, yeah, yeah, but yeah. you're like very gifted so thank you for oh. like being so warm and like loving and yeah yeah, yeah. um I wonder like because I know you said like you're agnostic now when did that shift when did that change and and why yeah so I think like I think it was just for me, you know, growing up, of course, I was so like black and white. This is it. This is the mm -hmm. truth. And that's not the truth. And I think like when that happened to me, like having that experience happen where I was like, because I was always taught like, you know, we um, God knit you together in your mother's womb. Like that's a verse that I remember. And I remember being like, well, then why did he knit me together with a liver that is really bad? Mm -hmm. Like, and not that it's like, oh, Cause then, you know, I, I know the, the response that like a Christian would give, which is right. like, well, we're in a fallen world and like, and that's just the nature of it. And it's what you do with it and how you like love God through it and like your testimony. And, but I just like those kind of answers just didn't do it for me anymore. And I, you know what I mean? Like, I was just like, I don't know about that. And, and then I started to see the way that like the church was so like alienating to people that are in like marginalized communities and like and these were my friends and I you know I had friends that were like that were coming out you know like with mm -hmm. like in the queer community and like feeling so and like seeing the shame and the hurt that they were dealing with from like the church or whatever which like and I remember just being like man like this is not okay and like I just you know I started to like think about things and I think moving out of my small town 
kind of coming to LA, I just yeah. started seeing things. I was like, wait a second. And then also even my own like personal life, like me like saving sex for marriage. And I obviously like just kept getting engaged to the wrong person. <laughs> and I was like, this is so weird. Like, what am I doing? Why am I putting my virginity on this like pedestal thinking that like God will hate me if I have sex before marriage? Like, this is crazy, you know? And I, I just, and then I think, you know, it just kind of was a slow like unfolding and unraveling and um, like unlearning even like yes unlearning and also I think the biggest moment for me was I was 25 and I had kind of gone through my second failed engagement and I was like uh, I was just like alone in my apartment and I started having a panic attack and I remember leafing through like the bible and like trying to like have that fix me you know what I mean and it mm -hmm. like it just wasn't working. And I was like, what is going on? And that, like, and I think that's like when it hit me, I was like, okay, I need to like, I need to seek professional help. And not that like, there are some Christians that maybe like do believe in like therapy and like psychology and stuff like that. I think I was just like in a weird like sect where like, nobody was really saying this, but I was just like, no, God will fix your anxiety. Like, and he, and he wasn't. And it, and I was like, I, and I, you know, I couldn't sleep for like 48 hours and I didn't know what like a panic attack was. I thought I was dying, you know? And then yeah. that's whenever I was like, okay, I started to kind of get more serious about like mental health and like seeking therapy and, and things like that. And then also just like writing comedy, writing my one woman show, writing things about my experience that was such a huge like unraveling for me and I you know I started to really like because when you're trying to like write jokes and you're coming at it from like a different angle you start to see like what was I doing what I was like as an eight-year-old thought I was gonna go to hell if I didn't like pray this prayer like that's insane that's not correct and you know I started reading all this stuff about like actually like what western christianity and like how evangelicalism was kind of like created in the 50s <laughs> and i was like okay like so it just kind of was this like yeah unraveling and i'm i think even now i'm i would say i'm at a place where i'm like yeah i think i, I then shifted i went such far in a direction where i was like i can't even think about that stuff anymore so now i'm just gonna focus on like comedy and like my career and like you know and then um, now I think I'm at a place where I'm like, okay, you know, I, I need to like find a balance. I think we're always mm -hmm. like all probably feeling that where it's like, okay, you know, some days you're more like gung-ho about like self-care or whatever. And, um, but yeah, I think I do believe we have a spiritual like soul. And I, I think we have a spiritual like need that needs to be met. And um I think a lot of that comes from like community and relationships, like meaningful, deep relationships and yeah. um, being in nature and, you know, just yeah. being uh, just whatever. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, Even, like yeah. for me, it's it's rollerblading like yeah, yeah, yeah. with my dog and like, yeah, um, but yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's weird because a lot of times when people have like a big health thing, like, you know, maybe, yeah, they go closer to God. Right. It's, yeah. It's it's not that I went farther away from God. I, I just... God is kind of very different to me now. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I get it. It's like you started to sort of like question the status quo in, within your religion or question, yeah. ask questions that you just kind of um, ask questions to things that you just sort of automatically believed or that yes. like was instilled in you to just believe without questioning. Um, right. Because yeah, 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 I was having these like harder 
conversations with people and I was like, like I realized that my little cookie cutter answer like wasn't cutting it even for me like mm, I was like huh mm -hmm. and then I was also like I was out here like going to these like churches and I felt so like oh, what am I talking who are these mm. people I had no connection with the people I was meeting there and you know where I found all the connection was in the comedy clubs right because comedians I found are so real and like not you know like they're just like and of course some of them are like not the best but like for the most part I was having these like insanely wonderful connections with people that were real and even the kindness that I experienced from like comedians was unlike anything that I was getting from like the churches out here. So I think it was yeah. just one of those things where I was like, I, I don't know how to connect to these people. These are the people I'm connecting to. This is where my, this is where I think, you know, my community yeah. is. It's so important to find a community that like you feel comfortable and supported in. Um, and it's fucking not easy as an adult to do that. Like, oh, you know, if, you're, if you like don't already have years. it, you know, yeah, yeah. totally. It's so hard. And it's like, it's even funny now because, like, I feel like I'm always kind of like, well, I think I met, you know, all the people I'm going to meet. But then I'm like, no, even just like last week, I feel like I met people. Where I'm like, these are going to be my friends forever. <laughs> Me and like, too. I'm like, like the same fucking way. Yeah. I'm always like, how could I meet anybody else that's going to yeah. be my, like, real friend? And then I'm like, wait, yeah, no, that is like... <laughs> So yeah, it's exciting totally. like when it happens and like I think you know of course I've like been burned and maybe I've like hurt people too and so you do like you kind of go through with like friendship breakups and stuff or even like harder yeah. than oh god they're sometimes so like romantic uh-huh yeah. which is another thing that I feel like we don't talk about or see in like media and film and television or or just like talk to each other about like the when friendships and like how devastating and hard that is. Like we just don't fucking see it or I don't at yeah. least. No, I feel like it's so like if somebody's like tried to talk about it, they still are like, but yeah, but like ultimately like everybody kind of has this like unspoken thing of like, but your romantic partner, like that's your person. Right. And you know what I mean? But And mm -hmm. then it like makes it really hard whenever you're like, okay, but like what about. I don't know like it's I don't think that's like healthy I think no, you I don't should either. have like intimacy with like your friends too and like you know what I mean like yeah. you should it should be like and yeah but it's yeah. weird we we do live in a very kind of like our society is very like it's your partner like your romantic partner and then yeah your friends are like fluffy extra and it's yeah like, what if they're not yeah and I would even I would even go so far as to say like your first relationship has to be with yourself and then like totally. your friendships and loved ones and relationships are like next but yeah. I wouldn't say like relationships are above friendships at all like totally it's I, just it's like different and of course it's like you know the conversation of like who's your emergency contact right like yeah I guess that's like okay yeah usually kind of is probably like your romantic partner but then like whenever you know what I mean but it's like but yeah maybe it's not I don't know I also there's mine's like my some... mom mine's always been my mom <laughs> yeah same with me I'm like it will always be my mom yeah me too and I I don't know if you've ever seen Steel Magnolias I um, haven't which is like blasphemy oh, like I can't believe it. I haven't seen it you yeah. gotta see it because it's like um Julia Roberts and Sally Field it's like a mother and daughter thing and yeah that movie is like kind of about 
like a mother daughter. I'm scared dynamic. because I feel like it's gonna wreck me. You're gonna. I mean, you will absolutely sob. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's I, good. Like I think whenever you're like ready to see. Yeah, it, but I just feel like after the last couple of years, I'm just like I don't want to intake anything that is gonna make me more emotional <laughs> because I'm already like at a ten all the time. That's true. <laughs> like I don't need an additional thing. I don't know thing. why. I think I'm like maybe yeah. I. I like forgot. I think I had only ever seen like the first half of it. And I like never realized that I never like watched the end of the movie. But it's just like funny. I really relate to the um, the mother daughter relationship in that. And I do sometimes feel kind of like cursed because my mom is like the reason why I'm like alive today. Like, you know what I mean? Like she like she's incredible and like such a good like it's so funny whenever I'm like, oh, she was my mom, like for a reason, I think, because mm. she was able to like helped me through all of that in a way that was just like insane you know and so it's weird because I'm like I don't know if anybody will ever fully like be my mom like I don't know it's like weird no, yeah. I, I, like I don't know how to explain it I don't I think will... they will I think it'll be it'll be a different it can be like of equal importance maybe but it's like totally totally different you know yeah it's, it's just special it's like special and yeah. maybe it doesn't maybe nobody is gonna ever like replace her uh, and that doesn't have to be like the case, but yeah, it's just like, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. God, uh, we hit an hour. I could still talk to you for another fucking hour, but, um, I just I, found uh, like, it was so interesting and I relate so much to like you just now talking about like essentially like a pendulum swinging, like with your religion, like going one way and then going the other. I, I, I don't have that with religion, but I have that with so many things in life where it's like, yeah. I'll be so intense one way than the other. And it takes time to like finally get into like in the middle you know yeah um, oh I'm that way 100 percent. yeah with like with career like I feel like I it's so hard for me yeah like I feel like I have some friends where they seem so balanced and I'm yeah. like how are you just like oh, yeah I'm doing this I'm yeah I got you know my family I'm like how because like yeah I feel like I'm just like either going like balls to the wall like I have a show every single night I have mm -hmm. 17 scripts I have meetings and like and then or then I'll just kind of be like sitting on my couch watching like some I actually do like to watch like sad stuff because I'm like a freak <laughs> when I'm just watching I usually, like a see, sad... I usually am like that but yeah. I don't something happened where I was like nope we're going the opposite the pendulum I swinging I love that. I went the opposite direction and I was like no I'm gonna yes. be a bad bitch and everybody's gonna know it like I just yeah. went completely the other direction it's just like I live in extremes I feel like yes I think but I also think like this something I've learned in my you know like years of therapy is just like just kind of really like accepting and not that like oh you don't want to like grow but like even just like that's okay that like you know what I mean like mm -hmm. I think that's okay and I I don't I think sometimes like we can get so obsessed with like I need to fix myself and I need to work on this and it's like maybe just like don't and maybe just kind of like mm -hmm. come as you are accept yourself as you are and like you know what I mean like and living being okay with like and maybe it's not like the best stuff you don't like love it but that like shadow self you know what I mean yeah. just being like yeah this is this is a part of me and like trying to you know making sure that you're like healthy and physically not like hurting yourself or anything like that but just like kind of coming to that I don't know I, I've tried to like kind of come to that, that place and like yeah this is just like it's like I'm basically kind of extreme like, yeah it's just like unbridled self-acceptance really you know it's yes. just like the ultimate version of self-acceptance the shadow side and the light side to yourself yeah i, yeah. I couldn't agree more i was and gonna being afraid of it like yeah yeah, yeah that's like, so true 
Yeah. I was going to ask you, like, if you could give a piece of advice to your younger self, what would it be? But I feel like this be be yourself yeah, and not be afraid of it. It's that. pretty fucking good. I don't know if we can top that. I think that's really good. Yeah. And just kind of, yeah, little like, you know, when I would have those like big emotions, um, just to not try to like hide them or stuff them or to cancel them. Because I think another thing of like growing up in the church, sometimes you I was very afraid uh, when I would have anger or I would have jealousy or I would have resentment or any of these like feelings and I'm not saying those are like yeah those are great you should like accept those but like whenever you just like stuff them away and say no I don't feel that it's like no you still do and it's mm-hmm. still there and you know what I mean? it's not going anywhere it's just now you're doing this weird like masking and you're hiding it away don't be afraid of it let it talk let it breathe give it a voice and then give it space because what you'll find under that is just fear and mm. insecurity and like hurt. And then you can deal with that. You know what I mean? And like, absolutely. So yeah. That's well, what thank you so much for giving me your time. Um, I am so glad that we had this talk. Cause again, like I know you from the comedy world being so funny and so like involved and successful but I don't I don't know like the deep parts of you and it's my favorite thing to do is talk to people and get to know like the deep the deep stuff so I really appreciate you like being vulnerable and sharing everything and um yeah and being open with me so thank you so 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 much thank you this was so fun and like yeah such a like I said such a new experience like I feel like this isn't normal for me like I usually I was like oh I'm probably gonna try to talk in a weird accent (laughs) but you you really just like brought out the realness so thank you you're awesome Thanks for listening to this episode of How the Fuck Did You Bounce Back with guest Alyssa Sabo. You can find her on TikTok. Her handle is just her name, Alyssa Sabo. And on Instagram, her handle is Alyssa underscore Sabo. Great. So let's get into it. I absolutely loved this episode um, because I've just known Alyssa for a long time from being in the comedy world, but we haven't ever sat down and had like a one-on-one intimate conversation. So I was like super pumped to talk to her um and goddamn was it a good episode so let's start from the top so we started out by talking about as a kid um Alyssa having an extra toe and feeling insecure and self-conscious about it but eventually coming to terms with it and being like wait what if it was cool to be different and owning these unique qualities about herself which I think is so wild as a young person to be able to have that level of emotional maturity and intelligence. Then we talked a little bit about her journey with religion and being a very, very devout uh, Christian and how that influenced her. She talked about being a late bloomer um, and that causing her to journal. Um, In high school, she just, you know, I think she talked about going through puberty like as a senior, um, which is, you know, later than quote unquote normal um, and just like how that impacted her. She said that it stunted her growth and she didn't really feel like she fit in. And because of that, she wasn't into appearance stuff. Instead, she like focused on being funny and kind and like cultivating those qualities, which I can attest to. She is both of those things to this day, among many other wonderful things. And then she came to the realization like, oh, my body is for comedy And she honed this like physical comedy skill that she uses to this day that makes her so wonderful at her job. And then she talked a little bit about having gone to 25 funerals by the time she was 16, including viewings, um, which 
is a lot for any young person to take in. And that sort of made her realize that, oh, bodies are temporary and caused her to be a little bit obsessed with death and saving people um, coming from the Christian perspective. She talked about being extremely religious and not kissing or holding hands. And we talked a little bit about like, oh, was this helpful with anxiety and control? Because if you could control that you you know, get into heaven or an afterlife, or you can control helping other people. Like, does that calm your anxiety? And she talked a little bit about how, yeah, that was something that has to do with it. Uh, in addition to like OCD stuff. Um, she talked about how she's agnostic now, but open and curious. And then we talked about um, her body failing her is what she said in college and going into complete liver failure and not knowing why um, eventually being diagnosed with Wilson's disease, which is which is very rare. Um, but then being put into a coma uh, for, I think she said like two weeks or something. Um, and, you know, she thought she was dying. She had to come to terms with that, which is unimaginable and unthinkable. Eventually, when she came out of her coma, she had to relearn to walk and to talk and to swallow. And not being able to make people laugh during this time is what made her realize how important that is to her. And then she talked about the following years because I wondered like, oh, were you, you know, on edge about like, oh, is, am I going to get sick again? And she was like, yeah, you know, her immune system was shot because of the th chemotherapy that she was on. So she was constantly getting sick and she was worried. And like, it's so, I can't imagine how hard that must be to just wonder if being out and about is going to get you sick, which I guess is like, COVID, right? Um, we were all wondering, like, is this person going to get me sick? But obviously hers is to a, a very great degree. And then she talked about having a dream of running and flying and remembering how free and wonderful she felt. And she says that she thinks about this when things are hard and how grateful she is that she can talk and walk and that she's alive. She also talked about the importance of seeing others who had the same condition and seeing that they're doing well and that they're healthy and that led us into talking a little bit about representation and mentorship and seeing yourself reflected back at you. We talked about her now being agnostic and why that is. She felt like the church was just alienating marginal communities. She specifically talked about the LGBTQ plus community. She talked about how she was engaged multiple times. Um because of her uh, devout religion. And she said that one day, I asked like, well, you know, when did that change? When did that shift? Because a lot of times people who have health scares turn into religion more. And she said that one day she was having a panic attack and she was looking through the Bible for a solution and she couldn't find it. So that, she, so then she decided to work on her mental health and go to therapy. And then she said she also started writing. She wrote a one woman show. And that is kind of what led her into this mental health journey that she's on now. And then I asked her, like, what her relationship with God is now. And she talked about how she feels like that God is community and relationships and nature. And we talked a little bit about questioning the status quo and how that can be helpful to formulate your own opinions on things. We talked about the pain of friendships ending and how we don't feel like that's shown in the media as much. We both talked about feeling like the media is it values romantic relationships more than friendships, but how important friendships are and how painful the ending of friendships is. 
She talks about the incredible relationship between her and her mom. And a little bit about living in extremes rather than being balanced, which is something that I completely relate to. I definitely live in extremes and struggle to find a balance. And then she talked about complete self-acceptance and this idea of coming as you are. And I absolutely love that. And that's something that I've been thinking about since chatting with her. Um, She said, come as you are, even with your shadow sides. Be yourself and not be afraid of it. Don't try to hide your big emotions like anger or jealousy. Let it talk and breathe. And then once you get down to the bottom of it, it's probably fear. And then you're able to deal with that fear. So not hiding these big emotions and not hiding yourself and having this radical self-acceptance. And I and for me, like, yeah, that's I, I need to remember that for myself, but also for other people. For them to come as they are, I think sometimes for me, because of, you know, I want to say like because of my OCD and being neurodivergent and like all that stuff, like I have a control thing even when it comes to other people. Um, But kind of going back to that, it reminds me to let people be who they are. Let people come as they are and accept them for that and... Or, you know, if it's it doesn't if it's not a right fit for you, at least, you know, that instead of trying to control their behaviors or their the outcomes or I don't know, things like that. So I am so, so thankful to Alyssa that she was as vulnerable and open and kind as she was during this interview. And I just uh, I love her. Thanks again for listening to this episode of How the Fuck Did You Bounce Back? New episodes every Thursday.